This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. One of the uh, best things about working in the recovery field, working in this industry of mental health addiction recovery, um, is the level of authenticity that people get to achieve through the hard work of their recovery. You start out trying to hide behind so much because of your past, because of your pain. Uh, maybe, maybe you're born mixed race, you're adopted, uh, you, you, you grow up, you end up becoming a plumber, you, uh, all you want is to just be famous and be accepted and be loved by the masses. And then that happens. And so you dive in full, full force and, uh, it eats you alive. Then what? Here at the ICAD conference, I had an opportunity as I was setting up this morning to you know, I'm in London, and and there is a there's an air uh, that has fallen away since the morning began. That, but the air was stiffness, people in their suits and people coming in, getting ready to shake hands and be smiley, glad hands again. And a man got up on stage to speak and said his name was Shovel, and it caught my attention, obviously. And I saw that he was speaking here at the conference as well. And I was listening to his talk while he was speaking, and he bonded the room, and it was like a shamanic experience. Now I say that knowing, yes, I'm from Boulder, Colorado, and I'm all into the woo-woo and stuff, and that's great and all, but I watched a room full of people in their suits and their fuddy-duddy English accents connect. And at the end, they were holding hands and shouting one love at the top of their lungs three times. So I got Shovel to come on the air and to talk about this passion that came from the poison, this, you've heard me say it, the wound is the gift, the wound is the way, the tears are the trail, the, the pain is the path. This guy walked it. In fact, everything I said beforehand uh, was his life. You were, you were born mixed race. I, I am, yes. I what, was and I am. Was and I am. It, it hasn't changed. <laughs> what, what, what races? So I, I'm half Jamaican, half English. Okay. Uh, you were uh, given up for adoption at a young yeah, age. How yes. old? So I was in the. So I was. Immediately I was born, I was uh, given up for fostering. For foster care. And then I got ad adopted about. I was think I was about five, six months old. Five. And this is the mid-60s okay. in London. So There's a whole story connected oh. to that, and mothers and birth mothers and adopted mothers. And well, look, that, just being, but, but in that's another. It, being in foster in the 60s mean they put you in a bassinet and pretty much left you. Well, that's, you know, I, I physically, there's memories. But, um, I mean, I've got to say, I, I only received my adoption file um, last year. And it was the original file. I had to go through a social worker, and they they they, they had to call, they called me in. You sit there, and they said, "Listen, get ready for this." They said it a lot better than that, but you know, get ready for this. It's a big deal. Um, 
I, I, it took me 11 months to get, and they'd found it, and then they, it wasn't the wrong one, and they'd lost it, and my heart was oh up Lord. and down. And so finally, I'm in this room, and, and it was the original document. So the, it had been on a shelf, so the back was all discolored to the, to the actual book. And so the language of the, of the document was of my, of my file, you know. The document was very, you know, there's a few Negroes in there, a few Negro words and such like, and, and, and about my mother who, who, who gave me up. And then, but it also had the name and address of the family that fostered me. Wow. And I, and I was very grateful to that family. You I was were, a baby. I was like, I'm sure. 10 days old oh. to, to five to six months. So, um, yeah, it, it, that brought up. I mean, I, I sort of went through with it once with the social work, and my wife was with me, and I haven't opened. I haven't opened it since. It's been in a bag, you know. I want to jump forward a little bit sure. because I've said the name shovel. Yeah. Uh, your 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 name is Andrew Lovell. Lovell. Yeah. Now, people hearing the word shovel and Andrew Lovell are going to start to wonder: Were you that guy? And you were. <laughs> I was. You I, were uh, that guy from M People. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. I'm that not, guy. Yeah. It were. Are? Well, I still. It's still every now and then we did a gig about 2015. So a few years ago, the, the singer Heather is still doing her stuff, and the yeah. guy. I'm, we're still close. You know, we go out to dinner and stuff, but um, the guys particularly, but. Um, you know, we're all, we're all moving on into other things, yeah. but it was a blessing and to have experienced all of that and to, and to remain, particularly the guys, to remain friends and see them as family and, and to learn so much was a, it is still an incredible influence. In and you, you say blessing and that's kind of the, where, where your ears and my conversation about this podcast started was, it was during this time of being with M people that you were, that you dove in. Well, to be heavily. to be honest with you, I I was diving in from about the age of fourteen. Okay, you know, being adopted as I've late uh, through therapy, I've later realised that when you know the, the, the well, I'll speak for me myself as a young adopted person, as a mixed race person, a black, you know, all white family. Sure, um, I realised around five or six there was a difference. Um, up until then, I was pretty cool. And then I, I, I'd heard the word adopted, asked a friend at school what it meant, told that the people who were with you aren't your real parents. And I think from that moment, really, uh, my, my under, well, my feeling that, oh, so my mum gave me away. You know, my birth mother gave me. Now, when, when you have that, it doesn't do anything to, to raise your, your self-esteem or your self-worth. Or your self-concept. Or your self-concept. Who am I? Where do I belong? What did I do wrong to be given away? Sure. Now, this is a lot, so I've realised now, it's so course. much self-conscious. But the way it comes out, well, the way it came out for me consciously was anger, um, rebellious behaviour, non formal non uh, um, going not to towing the line as it were I would I would I was the provocationist you know willingly um, so you could see yeah, violence at the time I, I hung around with like-minded young men who were looking for trouble a lot of times so a lot of my youth was spent like 
in that in that kind of uh, environment. And my, even though my uh, my family were loving, and I was loving when I was in the house, when I was out the house, I was this. Uh, I heard a, co- co- a talk earlier about being a Jekyll and Hyde, and that and that was very much my uh, my, my way of being for many Did you, years. As you got into um, your later years, how old were you when you got into M People? I was, all began. Uh, so that was '92. So I was I was about 24, 25. The celebrity that took place, Billboard magazine called you guys one of the top 85 uh, dance bands. Like you, you were very ever, ever, in ever, the, ever. <laughs> you were, you were very huge, popular here in in the UK. Yeah, very yeah. popular in the United States. Um, did celebrity help with the adoption trauma or make it worse? It, I, it, it both. Okay. So, so, so. Again, I've realised that I, I had a massive hole in me. I wasn't a, a being. I was, I was a, a fractured, fragile being. I had bits all over the place, you know. So I was, a, I was more, I was more whole than a, than a being. You know, I was more incomplete than complete. So, so I was. This is what I say. I was from a young age. I was trying to fill me with stuff. So you know. Smoking a little bit, drinking quite a lot, faulty, being rebellious. I'm filling it. I'm one attention. That's filling me. That didn't work. No, it never. Then does. the music. I got into music. It was joyous. It was the very first thing that gave me joy. But it wasn't enough. So I was still creating havoc in places. And um, um, but that wasn't filling me either. Wasn't filling me enough. And then and then around the dance music. So I was a plumber. Being give, doing music as a job, so right. I was literally, literally, un, like hands down, toilet pants, you know, unblocked. I did this for nine years, from 16 to 25, dreaming about being in a band, traveling. I'd got chucked out of school. I didn't do music. I had no exams. It was never ever going to happen to me. So I had a little group, you know, plumbers and builders, and you know, in a band. Right. So we'd already we was already experimenting with some drugs. You know, that was us. And um, so, so what the, when it really took off with M people, that just allowed me to increase my diving. And I had a bigger pool to do bigger dives for longer because the, there were no Mondays and Wednesdays. It was just, we were on tour. And brother, when I went on tour, I went on tour. You know what I mean? I was like... I, you know, I, I was living, you know, I was dreaming about your, this. Your face as you talk about it, there's still so much <laughs> happiness and joy oh, in it. Oh, it was incredible. Because it, it, it was a dream. It was a far off, impossible dream. And the dream happened. I, was, I, I resigned from a plumber in an April of 1990. July of 1990, I was on a show called Top of the Pops wow. in the UK. It was like three months. I was like, you know, I was still a plumber <laughs> st- sitting, standing behind drums. So it was like... And then it just got bigger and bigger, and um, so I. But but that character, so Shovel was a character. So Andrew Lovell, I never mentioned. Right. That was wrapped in pain. Shovel, I created, and so I could step into that and be a. Did be Shovel that. ever fill the hole? No. Isn't that the thing about adoption? It's and that's when I. It's an unfillable. It's unfillable. From the outside in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and I look, look. As I'm partially adopted as well, uh, I uh, for 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 the the past Yule, 
I got my DNA, mm. all my DNA back. Never known my heritage. I've got uh, all uh, 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 removed uncle from my biological side of the family, contacted and said, we want you part of the family tree and downloaded the entire history of Amazing. a family that I had never met. Amazing. Still didn't fill the hole. Yeah. So what next? Because we talk about this hole that can't be filled. You went from literally your hands and other people's shit all the way to top of the pops. To my hands on drums, yeah. To yeah. your hands on drums, to yeah. your hands being the thing that gets people to move, yeah, to experience body. self, the, 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 the ecstasy of music and movement Absolutely. and connection and creativity. And what happened? Well, so while I was in the band and the band was flying, you know, again, living the dream, how, yeah. can, how can anything be wrong in my life? I'm earning the most amount of money I've ever had. I'm flying around the world, much of it first class. I'm with these guys who I've loved and they love me. And, and more than anything, there's thousands of people who I don't know from a, at all, you know, in, in, in gigs this is, laughing and smiling and shouting things and banners and, and, and to that abandoned child, this, I'm on the stage getting adored and loved, you know, it's, um, it's healthy, but it's an extreme. It, it, there's no, there's no actual flaw. There's no foundation to it. It's just, um, well, for me anyway. You know, these the, the other guys were a bit more level-headed. You know, I would, I was just, I was an extreme person, and um, I lived an extreme life, and 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 to try and have relationships was nigh on impossible. And so I was just on, even when I wasn't on tour. I was on top. <laughs> you know, I remember being in supermarkets thinking, "What? Well, I should be here. You know, I need to be. Someone should be doing this for me." Right, you know? right. So I was, I was. The ego was running wild. The 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 trauma was running wild, but I didn't know it was that. And after about ten years, the band, fin well, slowed down. We wanted to do other things, and because it slowed down, I had no stage to run to. I had no thousands of people in front of me, and all I was left with, if you like, was an increased trauma because I'd gone, I'd lived that dream and then now the dream had been snatched and I had nothing to do. I was, I was racked with a million volts of energy and nowhere to place it because I, the drug, we weren't in Brazil on a Tuesday and Belgium on a Wednesday and you know, I was at home sitting there going, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? So, so what did you do? Well, I, be, I began boxing. <laughs> I began yoga and boxing at the same time. Had a couple of amateur fights. There this, is nothing. This is extreme living. There is you know? nothing subtle about you, shovel. You know exactly, and that's true. That is true. And then, and then I realised through a, a, a through a, a breakup of a relationship in a, in 2000, and that's when I hit I hit a bottom. I hit the bottom of bottoms, and um, on April the 13th, 2000 sitting in my uh, living room. I just dropped my, my ex off and said, yeah, I get it, I'm off, you know, I'm crazy. I'd started to, f I'd asked my parents about my adoption for the first time at 33. Wow. And the story that I'd got, which is maybe for another show, but the story I got was, uh, it was so trauma, double traumatizing. Uh, if I can say basically after, so I was 33 years old. I was living in an all-white family. My brother was six years, seven years older than me. 
he was, I say, he was their natural son, like, if that makes sense. You know, I'm black, man. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm not in this family, obviously, but you've adopted me, so it's great. I feel loved. I'm never, ever, ever going to ask a question to you guys which may upset you because I'm in a family. Right. So it took me to 33 to ask any questions. And um, it was September. Anyway, I went on tour. I asked my parents. They said, can we talk to each other first? I said, of course. It was Christmas night. It was just like, all I was missing was three guys at the door, a camel and a stuff. Long story short, my mum couldn't say anything, but my dad informed me that my my adopted mother, who I thought was my adopted was actually my birth mother. So I, like, that just spun me out, you know. So uh, my mum had had an affair with a Jamaican guy. And so she, when she got pregnant, so she went into hospital, came out, told, told everyone that the baby was stillborn. So then that's why I was fostered. I was going to be given up. It came in the files that I just read. But my mum was so distraught and depressed that after a few months, they, my dad, like my, my adopted dad, um, said, listen, you know, I forgive you. Let's go and get your son. This is unheard wow. of. In 1960. And so it took five months and court processes. So my dad adopted me, but my mum was always my mum. So she went and got you back. She went and got me back. They went and both got me back. And that but, didn't fill the hole. But I didn't know until I was 33. Of course, this is amazing. So that was the start of filling the hole because even though that kind of double trouble, I was like, well, why didn't you just tell me? You know, (laughs) we could have saved so many, we could have saved so much trauma. But what was in it, what I could see was my dad's unconditional, you know those words, unconditional love. They're, they're, They're bandied about, but could I unconditionally love someone? I don't know. Could I do what my dad did? I don't know with all my therapy, I don't know, you know? But my dad did, and he, and he, not, and he forgave his wife, and he loved his wife, and, he, and his, his son, my brother. And um, he loved me. Every moment, every moment he was alive, he loved me. And I was a constant reminder of his wife's betrayal, and all he did was love me, and so, at my lowest, lowest times, I thought of my dad's love. And I thought, in the world, there is this. Not only does it exist, but he's my dad. And this is what he's showing me. So, but to get to that point was a lot of trauma, a lot of heartache. And when I dropped my then girlfriend off after five years, and I was going mad, I was taking more coke and drinking more than ever. Of course you're going to leave. I'll drop you off at the airport. I drove back and I sat there for a time. Not high, very clean. Yeah. At this point, very clear-headed, just thinking about ways of committing suicide. And, um, you know, it's very strange when you're doing that. You know, it's like, I'm not doing that because that's painful. And I'm not going to do that way, you know. And, and I thought, <laughs> oh, go and get an electric heater, drop it in the bath, boom, it's all done. And then as I was going to the door, I had my jacket on, I was going down to Camden High Street to go and get an electric heater. And this voice, and this is when the spiritual side all came into, this voice just said, you're not going to do that. And I, and I was like, Ooh, I won't swear. Who's that? <laughs> Where's the voice? Where's the voice coming from? You know, 
Because I was out, I was in so much pain, man. So much darkness and pain. I was like, and it had, and it had lingered for so long now. It's like I was into about the second year of no way out. No, me, my mind was a mess. My, I was a mess. And um, I listened to the voice and I sat down for about half an hour. Then I took my jacket off. Then I read a, a, a bit. I just it told me to find a book. Don't look. Just pick a book. The book I happened to choose was on Buddhism. Open it anywhere, open this book, and it was about the biggest challenges in your life being the biggest insight to the beginning of your actual self. It was, again, it was a lot more better than that. Sure. But, and I was just thought, well, is this all a coincidence? This voice shut my eyes, picked a book, opened the book at any stage to read that. Is that all just all a coincidence? Of course it isn't. I believed that then. So that really was the beginning of, of a deeper more profound sense of, of spirituality, of being more than just Andrew Lovell, of Aaron, of two mics, of a room. There's more, but I could never, ever understand it, take it further. But that was the beginning source. So my pain, my trauma, my near-death experience, if you like, was the very beginning of, my, of finding my own unconditional love for myself. And then I could begin to, to, to tempt to offer it to others. Is your message, and I, and I haven't even asked what you do now or Ooh, where you work. Can I just go, woo! That was massive. Woo, brother. That was massive. So is your intention now, do you exist to be a, a message of hope, a message of, uh, uh, of, of light, of forgiveness, of unconditional love? You and I have talked about, you, you know, you're gonna start men's work and like like what's the gig now what when you play now what are you playing yeah that's who a, are you playing to now my my uh, so much of the so much of my recovery was actually to do with healing my younger self so i had to do that first and now only recently am i am i coming as me as a man yeah. As a, whatever that means for anyone out there. Sure, of course. What does it mean for me? Right. So I'm discovering that, hence I joined a men's group. Nice. You know, because for many years, I'm a man. I don't, for me, yeah, well, we don't I'm, know what I'm that from a means. Work, I'm a, from a working class south part and of like South it, East London. And it's changing now. And it's changing yeah. now. So, so to, to, to sort of deconstruct my concept of a man, my father being an example, yeah. you know, of how to be, didn't swear, didn't bet. I was living, I lived my life so much the opposite. But now I'm actually walking in. It's really bizarre that I'm walking in the steps of my father, who isn't my blood father, but is is such a father to me as a as an example of being a kind-hearted, generous, giving, emphatic, understanding, patient, loving family man, and that to get from where I was, to even being able to, to, have, to, to have that as a pathway, um, is, the, is, is, is now, if, it's that classic one, if I can do it from where I was, and be half black and half white, and adopted and fostered and working class, and chucked out of school and be rebellious, nearly got a prison, nearly topped myself, to now being in a loving relationship, I've just had a daughter two months ago, married, to forgive all of my, to forgive as much shame in myself as I can, to, to 
what do I do with it? Do I then go, oh, well, that was interesting. Now I'll carry on playing drums. Or do I go, well, wow, what can I do with this story? Which is a continuing. Because I know there's many, I am, there's many other young, particularly men, young, traumatised young men who have no outlet and no one to, 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 to offer their story to. They're all trying to be big leaders, violent, you know, they, they see leadership as a violent existence, you know. So I'm here to offer, offer, and I'll use that word, not to, to, to offer my story, my recovery in all its ways, continual recovery, as, um, as a guide, really. Can I walk alongside you? Maybe you want me at a distance, but I'm there in the distance. And when you want to come to me, let's talk. When you want to hear a little bit of my story, I can write that down or we can talk. Or I, I'm, I'm here, oh, I'm just here right now. Maybe still confused, but I'm in a lot loving place of confusion where I'm going next than I was. So I understand <clears throat> when I see young, again, I say young men, particularly in pain, I understand you don't, there's bits you don't have to say to me. I can look at you and get it. But if you can hold on tight and try, try and have the intention of being the best that you can be, just, just think about that phrase, is carrying a knife and stabbing the guy next to you because he's selling drugs on you, is that really being the best that you can be? Is it? I'll let you work that out. And if you come to a conclusion, then I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And we can maybe slowly, slowly, slowly get to a better place. If someone, wrapping around to the end here, if someone um, wants to get in touch with you, wants to, wants to connect with you, how can they do that? Well, I'm, 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 I'm just beginning to, I'm not on Facebook really, so I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, okay. which is shove, S-H-O-V, drum warrior, or one, at shove drum warrior, or um, at shove drum, drum warrior. warrior, okay. And I've just, as of last night, started Instagram. Uh, so I'm trying to get it back in the world, Good. you know? Because for me, I was like, well, what, what's, what's healthy for me? And, and going on in Facebook, here's who I am, and I'm really happy, and look at my picture here. And, and until I was actually authentically okay, I wouldn't put myself out there. So as of last night, Instagram, my Instagram is uh, the infinite underscore eight and the eight is a numerical eight so the infinite underscore eight otherwise my website shovel at shovel send me an email and uh, the infinite eight.com send me an email in a room full of white people in black suits talking to a black <laughs> man in white clothes with a native american sunburst around absolutely a home my brother a home it, it has been when you got up on stage and started talking, it felt like a shamanic experience was taking place in this room, and now I understand why. Um, I want to speak to you again. I want to speak to you on a longer podcast. I'd love that. I'd love this that. Is and, this, and, this is the, and this is the point, Aaron. If you've got a story to tell, you know, is it Brené Brene Brown? Is it Brené Brown? Yeah, and she was saying about, you know, be in the arena. Yeah. Be, be you know, have the courage to, for people to go, oh, shut up, you're rubbish, you know. Have the courage 
That really meant a lot to me. Have the courage to get out there and go, look, this is my story. Some of you are going to get it. Some of you are going to think, oh, whatever. Yeah. But, but what do I do with my story? I'll put it out there. It might help someone. It might help a lot of people. It might not. I've got to speak to you. That helps me, you know, being here in ICAD. Yeah. That really helps me. Like-minded people bringing new ideas, freshness. And my recovery is continued. My recovery will never, ever end. So the more I meet people, hopefully trustingly interesting, offering me new ways, whether it's a shaman or whether it's a road sweeper when I bump into a King's Cross train station on the way home, whether it's my two-month-old daughter, you know, everyone's got something to share. And if we just take some time to have compassion and to, to listen to our own lesson and our own reflection in others, what's being, what's being shown, then we can move on, you know, and we can keep recovering. I think, uh, folks, this is, this is an alchemical experience. This has led to gold. Yeah, your, absolutely. Your life has led to gold. Absolutely. We're going to talk again. I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, I thank, really appreciate thanks it. For, thanks for doing this. Hang on while I sign this out. Sure. Okay. One love, everybody. One Every love. One love. One love. Uh, this, is, uh, this is why I do these things, folks. This is, uh, this is incredible. This is an experience. We're going to talk to Shovel again. This has been Beyond Risk and Back, live from London at the International Addictions and Associated Disorders Conference. I want to give a lot of thanks to ICAD here in London, also to Mental Health News Radio Network and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Remember parents, take care of yourselves first, take care of your adult relationship second, and take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. Thanks for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast. We'll see you next week.